The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes, My Farm Radio, and the Growing Knowledge blog on AnswerPlot.com. Welcome back to The Deal with Yield. And joining us, Joel Whipperfirth, Winfield Ag Technology Applications Lead, and Kyle Reiner, Winfield Master Agronomy Advisor. Tell us, Kyle, what do you feel were the top challenges of this growing season? Well, at first I didn't think it was a challenge, but we went in dry and cool. And then after it turned from dry and cool, it kind of gone from cool to wet. And we had timely rains that come in, and we did have some stock rot that started early that we kind of forgot about as an industry. I think in a couple of fields, just driving around the highways and whatnot, we maybe have a new state flower called water hemp. And seeing the amount of weeds that are poking out above the soybean canopies right now, it's a clear evolution of the weeds are winning at this point. And I'm excited to see some of the new herbicide resistance technologies come on to try to combat that. But, you know, like Kyle said, it was bone dry when we planted it it almost was too good of conditions and then we got timely rains it was almost hard to keep ahead of what your yield goal versus the yield potential was and i think that was the real challenge coming on late this year the plants set up for a big year and then they stole all the nitrogen out of the stocks and so coming harvest time we're looking at some cannibalization and some stock rots that have come in and i think some of that is uh, our, our yield potential outpaced our goal Let's talk more about disease pressure. What did you see as some of the top diseases this growing season? When I started walking corn, that was a V5, which would be about 12 to 18 inches, depending on on the variety. I seen a lot of crown rot that started in early, and that was because the ground was cool. And that seed did sit in that ground a long time, and we did get rain, and it had an infection of fusarium that come in. That's mostly on the corn. We did see some anthracnose come in late, and along with northern corn leaf blight that come in late in Minnesota. It come in earlier in Iowa, but it come in late in Minnesota. Uh, on the bean side of things, most of the disease that we've seen that come into beans, uh, not too much sudden death syndrome, but a lot of white mold that come in late. Kyle brings up sudden death syndrome, and I think that was one of the learnings traveling across the U.S. this year. In the Midwest and western part of the U.S., we're seeing sudden death in areas less than two acres a lot of times. Uh, As I traveled out east into Indiana, it was whole field scenarios where the entire field, and you could see it especially if there was a variety that was good on it versus a variety that was not so good on it, you could see it was the whole field. And that's just not something you understand when you're looking at, oh, I I have a little bit until you see what the whole field looks like when it's a disaster. But it's the normal diseases that we run into. The anthracnose, obviously the stock rots, the fusarium coming on here. But, you know, one thing I saw that that we probably saw a little bit more of than anything was that northern corn leaf blight, which is that torpedo cigar-shaped lesion on the plants. And I I saw that pretty extensively this year. So if you are corn on corn, that's probably the number one place you want to focus. And rotating hybrids is a good first practice. Typically, if that hybrid had a weakness, it was brought out by whatever disease came onto it. And really, rotating a different hybrid into that field is a good way to overcome some of that. But also paying attention to some of your disease scores. If you had northern corn leaf blight this year and you're going to go corn on corn, obviously look for a variety that has that strong tolerance to that. But I can't help but think we didn't bring up Goss's wilt as a bad thing this year. And we just didn't see as much. 
But that doesn't mean that we're not one year, one environment, and one host crop or one variety away from having that back in. So if you're corn on corn, I'd still be selecting for Goss's tolerance in there. That's an important thing. So the thing that I think of is if we have northern corn leaf blight or you have fusarium stock rot, we go through the period up here where we shred the stocks, whether it's with the corn or a corn stock chopper, and that inoculum is going to be in the soil, right? And so is that going to be expressed every year? Not necessarily, but if the conditions are right, it will flare its ugly head on that, and you will have a disease set in earlier than what probably is normal in that field on a normal rotation. As you think about those inoculous soil diseases, using a fungicide is always a good place to try to suppress some of that. And really, your decision tree is, should I do it early at knee-high corn or should I do it late at tassel corn? One of the things I'm excited about this year in the answer plots, we've continued to grow our replications of looking at response to fungicide. And so as we get our answer plots harvested this year, I think that's going to be a really good thing that's going to help us make one more decision tool in this space of how hybrid might respond. When I think of in-furrow or stuff we could do there on crown rots, some varieties are more susceptible to a crown rot. And we do have seed treatment on a kernel. And that's going to give you around that two to three weeks protection against fungus. And after that, you can use a product, another fungicide in-furrow, to give you maybe a two, another two-week window that will help alleviate a lot of those symptoms of showing up early. Depending on your geography, white mold in eastern Minnesota tends to be the primary thing that you select for. More often than not, you're going to get it. So certainly knowing your environment and your history, no matter where you are in the U.S., just understanding that if that's a primary thing, select based on the best varieties. The variety scoring system, I feel like we've done a good job bringing out new varieties and having looked at them. But if we had four years without white mold, it's also kind of hard to evaluate a variety against it. So this is one of those pieces where as, as you bring new things onto the market, you bring new products onto the market, new varieties, you still have to be confident in the scores and make sure that that's a primary thing that you're looking at. So in white mold in the west side of the state usually is not such a big deal because we don't get the late rains, right? I mean, I remember years growing up that the rows didn't cover on a 30-inch row. And we it was two years ago that it didn't even cover on a 22-inch row or a 20-inch row. So this year we were absolutely blessed with the amount of rainfall we had. And we had white mold show up in areas that I've never seen white mold show up before. And an old gentleman told me, an old farmer said, look, you can't grow 70 bushel beans if you don't have white mold in them. And so I don't know if that's the full case, but look, he's a lot older and a lot wiser than I am, so I'll take it. I think one of the questions coming off of a big white mold year like this is, what can I do about it for next year? And when you think about that, the answers aren't that easy. You've got to attack white mold with a fungicide that's specifically labeled for white mold. And you've got to make probably two applications that are going to do it. You've got to make an R application typically at R1 about that 4th of July time frame. And then 10 days later, you've got to make another application. They tend to be fairly costly applications if you're aiming directly at white mold. So the challenge there is, do you want to spend 30 to $60 per acre 
for something that you might not have. And you've got to make that decision before the environment for it really starts to show up. There's been some talk of some fungicides that you can lay down after you've harvested the crop. Contans is something that people have toyed around with. It's difficult. I think one thing that we don't have really have hard data on it this year, but if you've been spraying a burner early on on your soybeans, maybe you've put Cobra or Flexstar on, those are areas where we've opened up that canopy and we're maybe seeing a little bit less white mold because of the use of those burner chemistries that are coming back since the Roundup isn't working as well. Joel, what about sudden death syndrome and preparing for that for 2016? One of the things you're looking across the nation here is everybody likes to talk about how bad they've got it. And when you're looking at SDS in general, there are some parts of the world that only have it the size of a pickup. Some of them get to be up to an acre. Some of my travels out in Indiana this year proved that the whole field scenario is probably a use case where the seed treatments start to come in strong. And so when you talk about, as a grower, how concerned should I be? I think you've got to ask yourself the question, is it across the whole field? And I would always bet on the pest in this situation. If you're only seeing it in a one-acre spot, I probably am not too concerned about it. Select for a good variety. But if you're in the part of the U.S. where the entire field is being affected by SDS, it's about selecting a great variety that has some seed treatment on it specifically for that fusarium infection that causes SDS. And what you're going to see is a lot of the SDS seed treatments come with a nematicide. And the goal there is the nematode is the infection site for fusarium, which allows SDS to occur. Okay, so boil that all down. What do I need to do? You need to make sure that your roots never have a place for that fungus to infect the plant. And that starts with a nematode protection followed by a fusarium protection. And there's two really good fungicides that have come a long ways in the last three years to do that, uh, one by Bayer and one by Syngenta. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperforth, Winfield Ag Technology Application Lead and Winfield Master Agronomy Advisor, Kyle Reiner. For more episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes, My Farm Radio, and the Growing Knowledge blog on AnswerPlot.com.